and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. This episode is a big one, a long <sighs> time coming. We are so excited to be doing an episode on Final Fantasy VI, one of the absolute most classic video game soundtracks of all time. One of the best. A real titan of the Super Nintendo and the 16-bit era. And one um, of our personal one of the most favorites. beloved RPGs. Yeah, I would say one of our both of our favorite soundtracks. We had done um, episode on Final Fantasy four through six, the three Super Nintendo entries, which was a great episode. But you know what? We realized that this score deserves its own spotlight. I know that everyone out there is is definitely talking more about Final Fantasy seven with the remake and everything. But today we're going to be focusing on six. It's such a great score. It's such a dense score, and it was so hard uh, to think about making a playlist of, we're doing 19 tracks today from this massive score. It looks like on the entire score, there's 60 to 70 pieces of music. And so what I decided to do is to kind of outsource this to some of our uh, lovely Discord members in our community. And so this was kind of an amalgamation of 10 different people, including myself, that went through and ranked their top uh, 18 pieces from the score. And then I combined all of that together to get the average of everything. And so this is a very democratic playlist here. Yeah, at least of our most dedicated and, and loyal listeners. It's funny, I was doing this also, um, mm-hmm. listening through the whole soundtrack and trying to pick. The problem that I find with Final Fantasy VI is, first of all, it's so good, but it's such a large soundtrack, yeah. and there's so many different styles, and it's very difficult to rate and compare music of differing qualities. Yeah, like, that's I true. could listen to three battle themes and say which one's my favorite, but I can't really compare that against a peaceful village theme or against a more cinematic piece or a more classical piece. What I learned about this is that a couple things. One, I already knew how incredibly stacked the score was, but I was reminded myself it's a very stacked score. And another thing is that everybody has their own favorites. And sometimes it might be a really surprising ambient piece of music that I would have just glossed over. Or it might be just a really memorable point in the game. But everybody has their own favorites. And hopefully we're including some of your favorites today. Uh, Yes, there's going to be great tracks that you will not hear today. I... I'm in that boat as well. There's a couple that I was bummed that that didn't make the cut. Um, sure. For example, the normal battle theme is one of my personal favorites. Um, oh, but we are absolutely. playing some other battle themes today. So, oh my God, there's so much great music. Yeah, I, I, the other thing that... Um, so yeah, please, I hope none of you are upset that your personal favorite track is... Because, I mean, this is Final Fantasy VI. Uh, this, <laughs> this is not a surprising or obscure game. Uh, this music has been well celebrated and discussed and covered. Yeah. And um, I think we also wanted to focus on music that we haven't played on the podcast yet. And For that sure. battle theme we've played several different times. And there's a um, lot of music on the score we haven't played on the podcast. So that's going to be yeah. so exciting. Well, we should just dive into this great music. We are going to be focusing mostly today on the music. Um, Will and myself, we're not really into JRPGs. And so we haven't really played the Final Fantasy games. We're very familiar with this game and the setting and the style and, and some of the characters and stuff. And so we'll talk a little bit about that, but we're going to focus on the music. What you guys heard playing in was the opening theme, part two, 
Now that opening theme is divided into three parts. Uh, that was just one of the parts, and that does a really good job of setting up uh, this world and what you're about to experience. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that before we move on to uh, the next track on our playlist. For me, listening to that, it kind of feels like the Final Fantasy series is reaching new heights, and definitely hearing that in the music. I mean, what a cinematic and exciting opening uh, from Uematsu. Yeah, I think Final Fantasy VI is this interesting turning point, um, because when you look at the music that he wrote, um, the 8-bit music, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is it's a lot cuter even the more kind of experimental tracks they have a very um melodic yeah, accessible a quality to, to them, them. Yeah. and i'd say even his first uh 16-bit entry which i love final fantasy 4 mm-hmm. um it still feels a little more tuneful and then when we get to like final fantasy 7 for instance it definitely feels like it's more about leitmotif it's more about filmic kind of stuff and what i think is great about final fantasy 6 and why it's probably my favorite uh, score from the entire series is that I think it's that perfect midpoint yes. where you have these really like kind of classic VGM accessible melodies, yet you also have, you also a, have lot a lot of, of really motif. interesting, yeah, motivic stuff that feels. And then you have like this opening theme that's very much mood based and it sounds like film score. I love his use of fourth base chordal honest, harmony. This is definitely the best balance for me personally in the series. Um, It's classic and it's fun, but it's very diverse and there's a lot of emotions that he explores. This game was actually developed uh, in a short amount of time. I think it was just about a year that they developed this entire game. I also, there's so many cool things. Uh, The whole game, there's uh, kind of a motif of a Western quasi Ennio Morricone sound to a lot of the score, which is definitely an intentional sort of homage. Amongst some other influences as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on um, to the first character theme of the day. This is Locke, uh, and our good friend Carlos um, made the comparison that Locke is kind of the Han Solo of this story. And so let's keep that in mind as we listen to Locke. Locke's theme composed by Uematsu. You guys are listening to Locke. This is from Final Fantasy VI, which came out in 1994 for the Super Nintendo, originally marketed as Final Fantasy III North America. This is composed by Nobuo Uematsu, and uh, it sounds like Locke was actually the person who uh, first rescues Terra, who is usually considered, I guess, the, the main character 
of this story. But yeah, Locke uh, is a treasure hunter who has, sounds like a, a, a good sense of humor. Uh, this is a really exciting theme. And yeah, talk about filmic. I mean, this really is rousing and exciting and reminds me of um, classic films. Yeah, it reminds me of Alan Silvestri, particularly yeah. like Back to the Future, some of those chord progressions. But it also it's has heroic. A, a really regal British quality. It reminds me of the music of like Edward Elgar, Gustav Holst. I love yeah, the I agree. use of kind of... Uh, there's there's a striking moment and it lands on this mm-hmm. major seventh chord where the major seventh is oh, right so next pretty. to the root and so you have that half step dissonance it's a very noble and beautiful kind of sound that a lot of I think like British march composers use and I think Uematsu's evoking that even with the progression the bum 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 Absolutely and I think you hit the nail on the head he's also evoking a slightly more modern sound now talking about in the scheme of things modern being like more 19th century which is kind of the setting of this game it was kind of a change of pace because it's not just strictly medieval like the previous games were and so I definitely think that musically he's trying to evoke that kind of 19th century sound That's a really good point. Yeah, the Final Fantasy games, if stepping back, a modern equivalent would probably be something like Assassin's Creed, where each game is almost like in a different time period. I mean, the Final Fantasy games have their own world where Assassin's Creed try to replicate things from history more literally. Um, But there is that sense that as this series developed um, and each game could kind of be more stylistically unique in less... Uh, akin to some of the fantasy tropes that we might expect from something like this, uh, that the games would all have their own completely realized aesthetic. And that was a great opportunity for the composer Nobuo Uematsu to kind of flex his muscles because he's an incredibly Mm. versatile composer. He can write the most beautiful, simple lyrical theme. He can do incredibly experimental stuff. And he, he, and (laughs) in Final Fantasy VI, there's a lot of kind of like parody almost uh you know there's some music that's more like functional almost humorous the way it's like imitating something specific Mm -hmm. and yeah this this soundtrack definitely displays uematsu's versatility i I was talking to stephen kelly recently about final fantasy 6 and one thing that um we were sort of talking about is that i really don't think this soundtrack could be made better with real instruments and i I don't think the game would be better if it were on a modern platform in the way that like i know they just remade final fantasy 7 but to me so much of the charm and the whole context of the music and particularly some of the operatic stuff that we're going to get to later so much of the charm of that is hearing it on the Super Nintendo and hearing I could those instruments. Not agree more, man. Yeah, doing that accurately. If you just hear that with an actual orchestra, all of that context is lost. Yeah. And that's another reason why I feel like Final Fantasy VI is kind of at that perfect midpoint between the old and the new. It's like when the more primitive technology is reaching its apex as far as how expressive and human it can really sound. Oh my God, that's a great point. Well, let's move on to another character theme, a very important character, the main baddie in this game. This is Kefka who is a court jester and starts out as a general. Um, Yeah, this theme is one of my favorites. I I love how silly it is. I think it does a good job of capturing this character. This is Kefka from Final Fantasy VI.
such a strong theme. You guys are listening to Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about this this theme. It, it's, it has a lot going for it, and it definitely tells a story. One of the things that I love about the music of Final Fantasy VI, and especially the character themes, of which there are many, is they really tell a story. And without any words, or really without any context, you can kind of understand uh, a good a good amount of the story here. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, we were talking about leitmotif earlier, um, and for anyone who's not familiar, leitmotif is a technique that, in a modern context, uh, we think about it in a lot of film music. For instance, a great example would be like Star Wars, for instance. When you see Princess Leia, you hear her theme, ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and usually the theme, it can be a full spun tune, or often it's just a few short notes that help you identify a character, which is yeah. why so many film themes have these really interesting contours that you can identify right away. Well, that technique of leitmotif in the word leitmotif comes from the operatic tradition, particularly the German operatic tradition, and it's no (laughs) secret that in Final Fantasy VI, there is an opera. And I think um, it's been sort of documented how Uematsu did sort of his research to prepare for this. Yeah. Um, But something that I hear people talking all the time about, oh, it's Italian opera, it's Italian opera. They keep saying that, and I think that's just because people always associate opera with Italy. Right. But in my opinion, a lot of the music that Uematsu's created for the soundtrack and how he characterizes the sort of quasi 19th century, it's very Germanic to me. And this yeah. piece in particular has a real like 19th century German quality to it. Some That's of the chromaticisms, cool. the form, the structure of it. In that term, leitmotif is a German word. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that it's sort of an interesting thing to discuss because operas were popular all over Europe. Right. And some of the most popular operas don't just come from Italy. The, that kind of tradition um, flowered and sprung all over those great French operas and German operas. And I definitely feel like Uematsu does a perfect amalgamation of all of it oh, uh, in God. this game. And I like how it it even spills into the character themes like this Mm -hmm. character theme is definitely very classical in its construction and you feel like he's going out of his way to make the melody like a run-on sentence and he's kind of characterizing or almost satirizing this sort of ornate nature it's it's also so perfect for this character because it's it's goofy but it's also devious and you can tell there's like evil uh, evil intentions yeah. here in the music. The chromaticism, well, yeah, dun, 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 yeah, exactly. All the spindly little sounds. So good. Well, let's move on to another character thing. We have three in a row at the top of the episode here. This is Cyan, uh, who I'm told is a noble samurai in this game. And yeah, when you listen to this music, there's a lot of weight and a lot of seriousness uh, to this track. And I think it sounds like it perfectly captures that character. Let's take a listen to Cyan.
What a beautiful score and what a beautiful piece. This is Cyan, composed by Uematsu from Final Fantasy VI. In my opinion, his masterpiece. I adore the score so much. And yeah, this is such a great example of the wonderful fusion, not in not in the style of music, but in combining so many different types of music and influences into this one world. I mean, this is a, this is a samurai character, and so you definitely hear some Eastern influence for sure, mm-hmm. but you hear some like Copeland-esque uh, American influence as well, mm-hmm. some Western. There's so many different things coming together, and it's very comforting, very serious. Um, this is a character that has some sadness. There's definitely a little bit more of a sense of sadness uh, and some right. dark themes in this game. Well, and there is a point where kind of traditional Japanese sounding music does blend really well with that sort of Ennio Morricone spaghetti western sound. Yeah, it's kind of just like a folk sound in general, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit on the implementation side, something that's very unique to the Squaresoft uh, Super Nintendo soundtracks, and it's something that happens in a lot of Uematsu's music, Mm -hmm. and it's a way of achieving a legato sound with their instruments. Um, Now, first I have to explain, the Super Nintendo uses all samples. Every single channel is a sample sample channel. Um, Yeah, and they're they're relatively primitive samples. They get pitched up and down, and it changes sort of their timbre and sound a little bit. Um, But essentially, the way that most composers, or at least the engineers implementing the music on the Super Nintendo, the way that, let's say you're using a string sample... Every time a note plays, it has the beginning of its attack, which is maybe it's the sound of like a bowed string. Mm-hmm. So that's where you get the sound of yuck, 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 right. yuck, yuck, that kind of sound. But what's really interesting, and I feel like it almost only happens with the square games, is to achieve a real sound of smooth legato, sometimes rather than switching to a new sample on a different pitch, they will just pitch in the middle of a sample they'll yeah, pitch it's almost it up like they're just trying to slur um, the sound yeah so that's how you get that it's super effective yeah it de- it definitely doesn't sound like a real instrument necessarily but it gives it, it this is more cool expressive, kind though. of quasi synthesizer quality and he really uses it to great effect on this flute because you can tell that the sample has that little grace note fall but he doesn't necessarily want that attack on the start of every note so when he doesn't want that he'll just pitch the sample mm-hmm. up or down and it makes the flute sound very expressive because it can have these little ornaments and sometimes not have them uh, and I don't know. It's just something I wanted to mention because it's whenever I hear that uh, in any context, that kind of, you know, portamento-y slide rather than having a new synth. Yeah, implementation you know, is outstanding on the score. Some of the best sounding Super Nintendo music for sure. And, and man, 1994, well, and what a year. And he continues that onto the PlayStation. Yeah. Like when you listen to Final Fantasy VII, that, that technique of how to use the samples where you kind of pitch them up almost like a synthesizer with no attack and just slide it up smoothly. It works really when well. I hear that on Final Fantasy VII too and it just makes me think, oh, a square 16-bit RPG. Because th- that same technique happens in like Chrono Trigger and all the Final Fantasy games. And you, I think you even hear it in like Secret of mana and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to move on to one of my personal favorites on the score. Uh, This is a very haunted piece and haunted location. Uh, This is the Phantom Forest from Final Fantasy VI. Let's take a listen. (laughs) 
This is such a prototypical Uematsu composition. You guys are listening to The Phantom Forest, and I love Uematsu. I mean, his music is truly like no one else. There's a lot of other composers that could have gone for this kind of chromatic James Bond sound, and it would have been somewhat effective. But the, the places that he lands on and his cadences are, are so surprising and different than what uh, I'm expecting. I mean, that's one thing in this entire score is there's a lot of surprise. You can, you can definitely not, the first time you're listening to it, you cannot predict where things are going to go. This is one of my favorites in the score. I love this track. Well, Uematsu is an interesting composer because in a way he's kind of like, uh, he's like a great songwriter from the 60s where he doesn't necessarily have like a formal training and he's not replicating existing musical forms in a super accurate and like imitative way. And that's definitely a benefit to his music because he's able to land on things that you wouldn't land on if you were just being strict, uh, you know, following some sort of textbook approach. In the same way that like if you listen to some certain Paul McCartney songs, for instance, he'll be like on a one minor chord, and then all of a sudden it'll be major, and then minor again. It's like yeah, he's oh, not always hear that thinking about the theory. Music. He's just trying to find cool right. sounds, and that's definitely uh, what you hear in Uematsu's music as well. But yeah, this this track just really captures. I was able to get a little context from Carlos about this area. Uh, it's a maze that guides spirits to to the next world, and you really hear that sense of spiritual and darkness um, in in this track. It's also very beautiful, too. I always forget how beautiful it is later on. Right, yeah. I, I think that's the other thing. Carl mentioned the James Bond progression, and essentially that progression that we're talking about is if you're in minor, let's say, let's use C minor because uh, maybe that's easy. Mm-hmm. And then if you have the fifth, the G, go up a half step to A flat and then go up a whole step to, to a. a natural and then back down. That, yeah, da, it's very da, da, circular da, da. and constant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, has, it's, it just creates some interesting chord progressions because you have this minor triad and then you have this sort of minor augmented and then you have a minor six chord and all of it has this sort of jazzy film noir-ish quality but it's a very effective you know smooth voice leading just following one chromatic line um but i really love how he contrasts that with this uh flute melody that starts with a uh um octave leap yeah such a killer melody one of my favorite final fantasy series melodies it's so good well guys we're going to go back to another character theme and this is one of my absolute favorites maybe my definitely my top five in the score this is gao who is a really innocent uh character who kind of had to grow up in the wild and it seems like uh uematsu wanted to convey that sense of simplicity and maybe nature i guess with this theme so it's very beautiful and he does a wonderful job of really capturing the sound of a solo cello and the mm-hmm. expression that that instrument has. It's so impressive for 1994 on the Super Nintendo. Let's take a listen to Gao.
so beautiful and also unexpected. You guys are listening to Gao, composed by Uematsu, and this is actually one piece that I would really enjoy hearing a real performed version of it, just because what's so fun about this is it's such a clear um, and, and organized and specific arrangement here. It works so well. You have the solo cello, you have the acoustic guitar, arpeggios, you have the mandolin kind of Italian-style strumming on the right channel, you have some flute. I mean, it's such an easy arrangement that you would be able to translate this perfectly to real players. Yeah, this is one of my favorite melodies in the game for sure. Yeah, it's definitely... I think this one is very signature Uematsu because... I agree. Sometimes we'll describe him as experimental because he'll use very interesting cadences or he'll have a chord progression that's unique or he'll change meters randomly or he'll do some kind of unexpected thing that's not very textbook. But I think what's most interesting about Uematsu is sometimes I find he does that in the middle of something that's meant to be very (laughs) universal, plaintive, and melodic. And this melody does it, you know? The way that it'll like that, it feels incomplete almost. Any other composer would go, exactly, and especially (laughs) in the classical music that he's trying to emulate, it feels like you lopped off a measure or it has this very unsettling quality. But what I love about it is he then justifies that kind of unexpected, the he makes it work, lands before, and then that becomes a little motif. And then uh, you kind of throughout the melody, you have these resolutions that happen almost like an eighth note before you're expecting them. <sighs> and that's works. what's exciting about his music because you have elements that feel satisfying and kind of classic and maybe a little expected. And then you have a little bit of that surprise in there. Yeah. I also found it really interesting when looking at everyone's rankings and that everyone has their own character themes that they really resonated with. I was assuming that God would be near the top of everyone's list and it wasn't even present on multiple people's lists at all which was very surprising to me because i it's probably my maybe my second favorite character theme um i've just always really adored it um but yeah i think it also comes down to like what you resonate with about the characters and their stories and um you know what they're carrying with them so guys we're very excited to move on to this week's track of the week kind of a no-brainer uh so tara is the in some ways main character of this game And the piece of music, Awakening, is in some ways the true version of her theme. Uh, Maybe it embodies her even more than Tara theme. We are going to play Tara as well later on the episode, so don't worry. We're going to hear this melody again. But Awakening is my favorite piece of music from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, well, I think the thing that we also have to mention is we talked about leitmotif. I sort of hear Awakening as a piece of music that starts in one way with completely original material and then eventually opens up in quoting Tara's theme. So good. But really, the the whole opening few bars has this really gorgeous, jazzy progression and a really great vamp. One of the most beautiful pieces of video game music by far. I want to read, to set this up, I want to read what Carlos wrote about this track and then we'll play it. This could truly be considered Terra's theme. It captures the sorrow she deals with and usually appears in the game during pensive or revelatory scenes regarding her mysterious past. This is Awakening.
God. I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to this piece of music, and it never fails to get me choked up. It's so beautiful in so many different ways. It's why I love Awakening even more than the Terra version because of that other material. So jazzy, so evocative. But then when that theme comes in on that piano with delay, what a knockout theme. What a really great arrangement here. Well, it's such a great lead up. Yeah, Awakening is so fantastic. I mean, if you had to show one piece of music from the whole Final Fantasy series, I would probably choose this. Because it probably is just my favorite introduction of maybe any piece of video game music. I mean, it just starts so <laughs> oh, mysterious so and beautiful. And yeah. I mean, I love the articulation on that flute. See, what's funny, Will, is I always thought that was a synth. I always thought that was trying... That, that sounds to me like a synth lead, but on the Super Nintendo, it's all glued together. Is it a flute? Well, is it a synth? He, it's because he does that... Port, he does that sort of legato but that's sound what I find that doesn't have any articulation. Beautiful is that you could think of it as a synth, and it still yeah. would fit in this world because this is a world that deals a little bit more with technology, at least than the previous games. And so there is this right. combination of old and new. But what a knockout melody! Will I would love yeah. for you to talk a little bit about those really interesting harp harmonies that are kind of divided from the left yeah, and right channel. He's talking about that near the beginning, yeah. And essentially, that happens over this chord progression where it's kind of like an E minor 7 to D minor 7 back to E minor 7. Uh-huh. And what's interesting is the top note um, on both chords is oscillating between the ninth and the third. So, so beautiful. And it's this half step, but then... It's very dark and mysterious. But the bottom note isn't moving in parallel. So the bottom note is going between the fifth and the seventh. So right. when it it's a, it's a series of... Uh, interesting, like going from a, a fifth essentially to a fourth. So it, I love it's, that it, sound. It, it has these kind of interesting harmonies, and the fact that it's not moving in parallel has a really cool sound where you, your ear can kind of follow the top line or the bottom line or the way that they kind of complement each other. But it's a, an interesting. I like that it's those pitches um, because it's not overly beating to death, kind of like the root or yeah. anything like that. And the fact that you get the ninth in both chords helps to extend them and make them feel more uh, almost impressionistic. What a masterpiece. Yeah. That's a killer piece of music. We're going to move on. I was a little sad that today um, we're not able to play the normal battle theme. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Didn't quite make the cut, which I yeah, love so how, f- how kind of goofy it is, um, but just really fun. We're going to play another battle theme. Uh, this is the Decisive Battle, which plays whenever you fight a boss. Let's take a listen to this from Final Fantasy VI. You guys are listening to The Decisive Battle. 
uh, introducing ourselves to the world of prog rock, which Uematsu loves, as well as a lot of the other genres that you're hearing in the score. I found it so interesting to get some context from some of our Discord members that are huge fans. So everyone who contributed to uh, this kind of playlist voting uh, had to be like really big fans of Final Fantasy VI, and so I think there was 10 total people that I had to average. And what I found interesting is for me not playing the games, I would have said that the normal battle theme is my favorite battle theme in the score. Sure. But it seems like from some of the people that really love the game, sometimes that can get a little bit annoying. And definitely the decisive battles seem to be the highest rated track for, for, from those people. And so I found that really interesting. This is really, really cool, though. What I love about the decisive battle theme is uh, the piece is an 8-8. And it ends up having the feeling of kind of like an odd meter yeah. piece of music, something that Those would be in five Those groups of three notes seven. is so cool. Um, but yeah, because it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, 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 um, moving to the next measure at kind of like yeah. a, we just we hear so much music in two and four and eight and it, so there is that expected quality yet by dividing the each bar in an uneven way so it's not you can't divide it down the center mm-hmm. the way that you can with four four um, it you still get some of that lopsided dude that's such quality. a great point I think it's such a it's such a smart way to do something progressive because it definitely feels exciting and bold but it doesn't throw you for a loop and it still feels like you said kind of that constant comforting feeling where where you still overall when you zoom out you know where it's going to go right well and it's fitting for this type of action because you're not actually swinging a sword and you're not actually like jumping and punching and it, there there's kind of a quality of it needs to be able to last for a long period of time and there needs to be some sort of stasis about the music that it, yeah. it, I feel like an odd meter thing would almost maybe well, go and one a thing I will step say too far. Why I'm excited to play this track and celebrate it is because I think it's a great um, entry point for young kids into the world of prog rock because it's very accessible and he doesn't go too far. It's not too crazy. And the, the example that you gave about it being an 8-8 is one way he's able to do that where it grounds it. And I think um, it's just, it, probably a really strong introduction to this sound and this kind of vibe for you know kids all around the world playing this. Yeah, just really, really cool. Let's move on to another character theme. We're going to change things up from that battle and we're now going to move on to Celeste uh, who this theme is for Will and myself maybe in our top three on the score I think this is I will say this Celeste theme is my favorite it's so beautiful let's read a little bit of what uh, Carlos wrote up about this character Celeste forced to serve the Empire is a genetically enhanced general can use the gift of magic Seeing the true nature of the Empire, she defects and joins Locke and the Returners to resist Emperor Gestal. She becomes the heart that brings everyone back together in the second half of the game. Let's take a listen to Celeste.
You guys are listening to Celeste, really one of the most beautiful and emotional character themes in the score and in the whole series. This is so good. It's almost unfair how many amazing and emotional character themes he was able to write in Final Fantasy VI. I mean, you almost want to spread them out through the rest of the series because some of the other scores could really use them. But yeah, he was just in such a creative peak um, at this time. The development of this game was only a year, and so it wasn't like he had a long time to pour over this music. He created a lot of music in a short amount of time, going with his instincts, and oh my god, did he knock it out of the park. Yeah, what what a beautiful thing. I also theme. do feel like he layered in a lot of little touches, though, for people to appreciate. For sure. Um, it, something that I really like about the Celeste theme, and I think it captures, uh, in the way that Terra's theme does, um, uh, the musical sound of Final Fantasy VI is that while, especially the sound of this particular presentation, it's dreamy and timeless and, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, video gamey, you could argue. Yet, in my opinion, there's a real, like, Germanic classical quality to this. This particular yeah, melody, it just too. reminds me of, like, Brahms or something. And it uses functional harmony in a way that has, like, a romantic era, 19th century sound to it particularly the way that like the second time through the melody it resolves on this kind of perfect cadence yeah you know yum dun dun five chord to one perfect it's very comforting like isn't it um it, it in in addition to that just some of the little chromatic touches yeah da, 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 like the that kind of stuff just it has a really classical quality yet there's something about it that's almost more timeless it doesn't feel yeah. as pastiche as say like kafka's theme and right. i think that's a really impressive thing to be able to make something that hits right to the heartstrings and feels earnest yet still harmonically has the fabric of the style that he's going for in this game i think it's a it's a great character theme because it's not just a melody that can stand on its own it's also a melody in the context of this well exactly world. i think this is an example of uematsu's unique brilliance because you could get a hundred other composers and tell them about this character of celeste and they would not land on something like this and so i think what a unique voice he has i also like how he changes that opening line having that one chromatic alteration says something Those little touches we didn't talk about the opening um that always makes me think of uh koji kondo's yeah. you know fairy fountain the mm-hmm. but that's also really pretty and has kind of like a french impressionistic like debussy quality. Sure. it also reminds me of like if we're talking about opera it sounds a little bit like something from Wagner or something. Cool. Really pretty. Well, let's move on to a nice change of pace. Very filmic, very rousing. This is a piece called Save Them, one of the many that we've never played before, which is so cool. Um, Let's take a listen to Save Them. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Save Them. Um, this is a really exciting and rousing piece of music that kind of scores when the heroes are defending the resistance. Yeah, I really love that he has opportunities to make like a film score, you know, the score that he probably dreamed of doing since he was a young kid. Right. Um, so he definitely has those moments. What other medium would you be able to explore so many different types of music and it all kind of can gel together because of this wonderful Super Nintendo chip. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this track is filmic in terms of its construction and how it turns on a diamond. Yep, I mean, it's like it's so exciting. the only other place you hear music like that would maybe be in like the development section of a symphony or something. Um, but that kind of frenetic well, yeah, just, just energy take, okay, is really like, special. Just take a look at what we're hearing. So we hear this, which, yes, maybe you could hear this in a film. Maybe you could hear this in a piece of classical music. But two tracks ago, we heard the Decisive Battle, a straight-up like prog rock song. What yeah. experience would those both fit so well together? Right. That's a really good point. And I, it is something that I, I do want to reiterate. Like I think the perfect version of this score exists, and it's yeah, this on is Super it, Nintendo. Folks. Um, and I do think it's like, I mean, it's been so many people say to the point that it's almost a cliche, the idea that, you know, uh, limitation is the mother of invention yeah. and the idea that like when you're limited by something, you come up with better ideas and whether you want to say you come up with better ideas, you definitely come up with different ideas. That and is I think true. it's not just the music that was affected by the limitations of the Super Nintendo. I think the overall style and a lot of the choices that were made in the game are equally affected by the limitations of what the Super Nintendo could do. And I think for the better, because when games at this period were at their best, they're transcending their limitations and they're making you kind of step back and be, wow, I can't believe a video game is going there. I can't believe a video game is making me feel this or giving me this kind of experience that I thought you know, was maybe outside of the realm of what games could do. And there's something that's so exciting about this period in time where you feel like games are this new frontier that are bubbling and excited to indulge in greater emotion. Yeah. And you can tell that Uematsu is really excited about that. And he's a gr he's such a cool champion for video game music because he's an individual that probably wouldn't necessarily have the pedigree or opportunity to necessarily work on, like, film music necessarily but through games he gets to ha have his own creative voice and really became one of the titans of the industry which is so without awesome. a doubt and will you're mentioning that you know uematsu must have been so excited he was absolutely excited and you can hear that excitement it's palpable and it's contagious in this score well let's move on to both will and myself one of our favorites and luckily one of the group's favorites as well all of those final fantasy 6 fans almost everybody really loved coin song. So let's take a listen to this from Final Fantasy VI. Thank you. 
this is gorgeous. You guys are listening to Coin Song, and Carlos tells me that in some ways this is Edgar and Sabine's true theme, these twin brothers that were set off on wildly different paths thanks to a coin toss. And, and you can really hear that, oh, that emotion, there's a tragedy uh, to this piece of music. And again, it's, it's perfectly, uniquely Uematsu, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else would, would land on some of the, the melodic points and cadences that, that he does, but he makes it work in one piece of music. If you take a piece like this, and there's a lot of tracks like this in the score, where if you were to actually break them down, there's so much happening and there's so many different ideas that on paper I could see being conflicting or being looked at is like oh maybe that's too many ideas or how would you get that to all work in one piece and it's truly amazing that time and time again he's able to get that to work as one cohesive piece well I also think it's important to remember that video game music is not an absolute medium this music is not designed I mean it's great it's a great benefit that we can listen to it on its own and get something out of it yeah but it's meant to do a really interesting challenge which is to distill or heighten the emotional experience of what's happening in the narrative or in the video game experience whether it's the gameplay or whatever and turn it into the language of music and emotion and sometimes in order to really kind of hit the nail on the head at least for that particular composer to make it genuine their own expression of that feeling Mm -hmm. sometimes they have to use unorthodox techniques and what I so love about this coin song is some of those unexpected major resolutions have a very like church like quality that this of all the tracks even though there's some surprising I guess kind of jazzy turns maybe oh yeah uh this feels like it carries some of the bloodline of the fantasy part of final fantasy i couldn't agree medieval and sound what i love about this score is absolutely you know the main goal of not just this score but all video game scores are to match the experience um, but what's so great about this is it's one of those special scores that you can listen to it on its own. And that's what I had been doing for so many years is just listening to this music and getting a lot of entertainment and emotion and it would bring me to tears. And I didn't know anything about the story at that time or these characters. And the music itself is so incredibly powerful. And that's why I think it's a special score is because it truly goes above and beyond what the original goal was. Yeah, I think that's true. Final Fantasy VI is also cool because it's kind of like the last crusade of the Final Fantasy uh, <laughs> trilogy. In a sense, it like sort of takes, at least for the music, it takes everything that's great about it and kind of, I don't know, is also able to introduce new stuff, but kind of transcend the whole thing. It's I mean, that's how I feel about that movie. An I think embarrassment that's like, of riches, yeah. God, yeah, Last so Crusade, good. I think, is my favorite part three of any trilogy. I would totally um, agree. Yeah. And musically, this might be that if you consider the three, you know, Super Famicom games mm-hmm. a trilogy, I think the six is definitely, it's the Last Crusade. Well, we heard the theme of this character in Awakening. We're going to now hear her proper theme. This is Terra, composed by Uematsu. Let's take a listen. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Terra, and I want to read a little bit of uh, what Carlos wrote about this theme. Terra could be considered the main character of this ensemble cast. Half human, half Esper, which is a magical being, she struggles to find her place in the world. This theme also serves as the overworld music for the first half of the game, and what a treat that would be to get to hear this music so much in the game. And yeah, you definitely get the sense of character of Terra, um, but also the sense of the world of this game. And it's such a beautiful and perfect well, right. theme. Right, and that's why I think the name Terra is probably a dual meaning because Terra does mean Earth. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that this is the overworld theme is also really fitting. It's like a, another definition of, of what the music is about. Um, but to me, Terra's theme captures the sound of Final Fantasy VI more than anything in my mind because it has that yeah. NEO Morricone Western quality to it. Yet it's one of the most perfect melodies he's ever written. Every single note is essential. Every rhythm, every pitch, it's kind of unimpeachable. It's like something that would be carved into a you know a, a, a stone wall. Well, or yeah, something and that's what I love about this is the melody is is actually very simple and it's one of those melodies that you feel like you've known your whole life like right. this, like this melody from this other world that we've all somehow you know we're born knowing right it has that quality but then with this arrangement with that morricone kind of the, the ensemble is all doing those dun, 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 those triplet hits right um is able to add some tension and it's just a great contrast between the simplicity of that melody yeah absolutely uh it, it's it's such a great balance i mean when i was listening to this i was thinking like Ramin Jawadi, eat your heart out. Like, I feel like this is the kind of mood that he was going for with, like, the Game of Thrones theme. But, I mean, I think any composer would kill to have a melody this pure and this, yeah. just that grabs you. Oh, it's, my God. It's heartfelt, it's honest, yet it's as pure as time. I mean, it reminds me of... Um, Something like like the Temple of Time from Ogrin of Time, da 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 da. Like it's a pure series of notes. It's not just memorable, but it's kind of like immortal. And also, it embodies strong and confident. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so really good. good. And I also love the arrangement, like getting that sort of pan flute-esque quality. It has this noble folk hero quality to it. I mean, right. it seems like something from a Tarantino movie. I keep expecting <laughs> him to well, use so this. There's, there's a couple of things I want to mention here. And there's a lot. So there's a lot of light motif in this game. And for the most part, we tried to avoid uh, duplicating themes. However, for Terra's theme, you just can't not include Awakening and this because they're they're actually both so different as far as the arrangement goes and both so powerful. So that's why we wanted to double up on that. We might be doubling up at least on one other theme today. But yeah, there's a lot of other iterations of these themes. I wanted to give some honorable mentions of some of my personal favorite tracks that didn't make this playlist. I already mentioned the normal battle theme. I really loved Searching for Friends. Uh, the ending theme is really great, and that combines all of the character themes. It's beautiful. The wedding waltz duel I really love, and then kids run through the city is another yeah, one of Yeah, the my kids run through favorites. the city is great. The wedding waltz duel, that's definitely a good honorable mention. And particularly all of the orchestral stuff that's meant to sound like an opera overture yeah um all that stuff his writing is so delightful and i feel like he's capturing certain um classical devices that Mm -hmm. uh, composers from 18th and 19th century particularly opera composers and even people you know like mozart and beethoven uh a certain style of articulation when writing for strings like you 
like the use of staccato articulations yet to me it's like so charming that it's on the super nintendo and you're hearing this you know primitive string sample play everything but i just love that attention to detail in kind of creating the atmosphere so those are you know yeah there's so much great music that we don't get to cover oh also that ragtime uh i really like that i forget what it's called the the rag that's i think it's spinach is it spinach rag spinach rag or something like that well guys let's let's move on to Locke's secondary theme and hey this is what i was talking about we're going to hear a little bit of a section of that lock theme in this but it's a little bit different this is a very tragic piece of music this is called forever rachel beautiful piece and a beautiful implementation really making the SNES sing here. This is Forever Rachel not only used for um, tragedy for for Locke's character but kind of used whenever tragedy uh, strikes any of the the main characters in the game it sounds like. Um, So yeah this is a very beautiful and tragic piece of music and yeah I just gotta say again how good this sounds for the Super Nintendo. I mean Will's so right when he says that this is the definitive version I really have no interest in, in in hearing any other version of this. Well, I love the use of kind of full string harmonies that happen on a lot of the Square games. Yeah. It's something, whenever we've done those in Days of Old tracks, that's something that I want to capture the most, that atmosphere of yeah. kind of these rich, uh, I don't know, Japanese jazz-voiced string chords with it's such a beautiful sound and minor chords and everything and the fact that they can just sort of fade in and swell and add this atmosphere it's the kind of thing that you hear in a lot of japanese film music or mm-hmm. anime music and it's definitely something that i think uematsu seeks to capture here but um i i think there's a real charm to hearing all of that on the super nintendo and i just love how melodic this soundtrack is me I too mean, like in dis- distinct memorable tunes that are associated with characters and ideas. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, I don't know, it's my favorite way of a piece of media to be scored, whether it's film or television or video games. To me, when I have a melodic identifier with a character or a feeling, it helps me remember the overall experience. And it's this great trigger of having kind of a way of letting you know what someone is thinking and what they're experiencing. And I think it has the additional bonus of being the most enjoyable, um, 
way to have a soundtrack outside of the experience. The fact right. that like Carl and I can so enjoy the music to Final Fantasy yeah, VI move to the point of tears without ever experiencing the game is the kind of thing that I think more functional music that's just about the atmosphere that isn't about unique melodic identification. While it can be effective, I don't think it can ever have that same effect outside of its innate context. Yeah, and it is a bit of a rare and powerful effect, but I'll be honest, that was one of the reasons we started this podcast was we had been moved by so much game music, not just from games we played, and we thought that was so powerful, and that is such a gift for sure. Uh, Let's move on to a really memorable piece of music and moment in the game. This is the scene in the game where there's actually an opera. Uh, Celeste is posing as an opera singer here. Really excited to talk about this. Let's take a listen to Aria de Mezzo Caratere. You guys are listening to this wonderful aria from this beautiful opera scene in the game, a very memorable moment uh, in a very memorable piece of music from this amazing score composed by Uematsu. Um, Yeah, it was a really interesting choice to try to convey the sound of an opera singer, that vocal sound using the SNES, and really one of the best ways he's able to do that is with the pitch of that sample wavering with that really wide operatic vibrato is is the way that you're able to clue clue people in okay yeah that's trying to be a voice that's trying to be a singer and i think it was a little bit of a bold choice because um it'd be one thing if they were able to to like sample a real singer and to split it up and chop it up um but yeah, I mean, it, it does a good job of conveying that. I mean, it, going back and listening to it now, I mean, it's a little silly to, to listen to that little SNES sample doing 
doing that. Right. But um, but yeah, it's very effective, well, it has and the especially for the time. Quality of a lot of Super Nintendo samples, and I you can hear it a, a lot of times. Like if you think of the string samples in Link to the Past, the right. lower they get the longer their vibrato kind of frequencies. Right. And it gets like faster and faster as it gets higher. It's a limitation of the sample. And if you have sort of baked in vibrato in there, that's just sort of how it works. Um, but it is definitely very charming. And this is what I'm talking about where it's like the charm that you get from your Super Nintendo trying to sing to you. There's like a, <laughs> there's a meta quality to that. And I think a definite self-awareness that everyone... Yeah. Designing the game, it like totally understands that for sure. It would just all of that context would be lost if this were done with a real singer and a full orchestra. One thing that I love too, that's also so charming about it, is the way that Uematsu arranges Celeste's theme, the yada da da yada da da, yeah, in this kind of like oh mio babino caro Puccini Italian opera way with this kind of boom 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 in the harp and everything, and the way he alters like the harmonic progression a little bit it's definitely going for kind of like that italian romantic opera sound but the other thing that i think is perfect about kind of an opera scoring a game like this is in a way jrpgs have an intentionally melodramatic quality to them because there's so much about characters and relationships and narrative and love and feelings and loss and they're very melodramatic and if you think about it uh operas in the operatic tradition and yes later there were some very serious operas but for the most part if you look at it's the kind history of part of, opera, of that lineage it is very it? Yeah. melodramatic i mean they were kind of like the soap operas of that day yeah that's why the it was romantic such a natural comedies. marriage <laughs> and so i think yeah having an opera to kind of heighten this video game melodrama is a nice kind of way of bringing a historical medium into adding some hopefully gravitas but also humor i mean a lot of yeah. the best operas are intended to be comedies well let's move on to what i consider kind of a quirky piece of music and i was a little surprised to see just how popular it was with really big final fantasy 6 fans this was one of the most popular tracks it's called devil's lab Uh, i'll read a little bit about this one here the empire has been unearthing ancient beasts and our heroes find that these espers are in danger They travel to the imperial capital of Vector to rescue the espers from the Magitech research facility, the Devil's Lab. cool you guys listening to devil's lab and what i really enjoyed about this experience is i was surprised with some of the the popular tracks 
uh, that, that people put on their list that when I first listened to the score, I would have absolutely just glossed over. The first time I listened to this, I probably would have skipped it um, because it just it's not the piece of music that maybe hits you on the first listen just with the music. Right. I think context is really, really big, and I think hearing it over and over again, there's a lot of really cool details and, and fun little things to to listen out for and to enjoy. And after listening to it, you know, a handful of times this week, uh, I really do enjoy this piece of music now. And that's probably wasn't the case when I first heard it. So I think that's cool. Well, it, it reminds me again of Japanese film music. I could picture this in like a Joe Hisayashi, you know, film score studio Ghibli thing. Like I I think a little bit of like castle in the sky and some of the like synth parts of that score. And the fact that he's using kind of these, I don't know, like, the the metallic sounds that yeah, are meant kind to sound of the like mining, mining melancholy or something <laughs> vibe yeah, it, it's very there. similar to that yet also with that sort of chromatic deviousness that has yeah, that and, Japanese and, film and, score and again quality. something we hear a lot in the score a lot of sense of humor I mean that's what makes this world so vibrant and so memorable is there's a sense of of uh, color and and humor to the, at least this track and to I think a lot of the the score so mm-hmm. yeah I'm really glad we got to include that if it was just up to me that probably <laughs> wouldn't have made the cut and I wouldn't have given it uh, a fair shake. And so I'm really glad to get some of that context from those other folks. Um, Let's move on to another character theme and shout out to Steven. This is actually uh, one of Steven's favorite tracks, I believe. Uh, Let's take a listen. And I actually helped him do, he did a sort of remix of this piece of music several years ago that uh, I did a little playing for. Really cool. Let's take a listen to Realm. You guys are listening to Realm, and this ugh, music perfectly captures this character. Realm is a young artist, um, and Carlos was saying that she has a good heart, but can be very sassy. Uh, one cool thing about her is apparently anything that she draws will come to life. So I, that's I, I wish I had that power. Well, yeah, that's why this Carlos likes theme. her. That's absolutely why. Yeah, this is such a uh, beautiful and innocent and pure theme, and it makes a lot of sense why Stephen really likes this. It kind of has that just that optimism that I know that he really gravitates uh, towards with music. And so yeah, really glad we got to include this. 
Well, it's also, um, there's an innocence to it and uh, an eclecticism to the music. The yeah. use of those kind of folk pipes, whether they're bagpipes or whatever something. they are. All the different combination of instruments is very eclectic and I think has the kind of zany creativity of artistry in it. The other thing I've always been fascinated about Realm, it's not a piece of music with, like, most of the character themes, I would say, are, are very tune based where the melodies are pulling you forward and they're driving the chord progression and they're driving this the track realm is more about atmosphere it's more about the overall mood and mm. all of the the bits of melody aren't necessarily driving the progression and driving the forward momentum of the song they're more like ornaments and decorations of yeah. this overall yeah mood. i hear that um, and that's what's interesting about this being a character theme, because this sounds more like the kind of music you would associate with an area. Yeah, like um, a like so a humble kinda, village or something. Yeah, yeah. But I think and it I also feel like can... this track is influential to like if you think about Breath of the Wild, that like Hateno village. You know how yeah. it has like. But one thing I'll say is it has pipes. And I all think this that Uematsu stuff. did a great job with some of his character themes of also evoking where they come from too. Sure. For example, in Gao, one of the things that I hear in that theme is kind of that sense of nature and maybe wilderness uh, thinking about where that character's origins so yeah i think that he does he does a, a, a great job of balancing both well guys i'm excited to move on to another battle theme we're approaching the end of the episode this is the fierce battle and so this is whenever a battle is more intense than a boss fight i suppose uh this is a cool track because it's kind of this combination of that progressive rock sound that we heard in the decisive battle but i would say combining that with more of a filmic sense of excitement let's take a listen to the fierce battle You guys are listening to The Fierce Battle. This, as well as everything today, was composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Probably the most wild and weird track (laughs) on the playlist. Um, Yeah, this is out there, but I like it. I love it. Yeah, I like the use of chromaticism and bits of like the octatonic scale and my, yep. I think my favorite part is just that opening yeah. where it really goes from there time. is is quite surprising it reminds me of uh, the sort of final boss theme from Final Fantasy 7 a little mm-hmm. bit too 
Um, not getting quite as intense as that, probably, but yeah. Again, uh, yeah, this is great. What I love about this and the decisive battle theme is, I mean, I guess this it's a little bit harder to say this, but um, he doesn't go too far with it. I mean, it's very progressive, very daring, experimental, and I think with this one, I think the groove of it, the rhythmic drive, does a good job of not making it go off well, the rails. Well, it's again that thing where it feels like it's an eight. Um, yeah. By being, yeah. So I think rhythmically, even meter feel. He kind odd. of keeps it together and is able to to hold it so that you know you don't feel like you're just going insane listening to well, this. The other thing is the sort of power chords. The use of just open parallel fifths uh, has yeah. it. It's like it both sounds like maybe 20th century classical music, but a lot like progressive rock, just mm-hmm. done with an orchestra. So I think and that's there's cool. definitely kind of that there's a through line between those two styles for sure. All right, guys, very excited to play just a taste of one of the masterpiece moments of the score. This is Dancing Mad. As a lot of you know, there are five parts to this. Overall, I think the entire um, Dancing Mad suite, maybe I would say, is 17 minutes long. And there's a lot of debate on Discord over what part do we play a taste from? Oh, should we do part one? Should we do part four? Um, Carlos was thinking, and I agreed with him, that part five is a a good idea to play a little bit of because this is really, I guess, the, the true battle versus Kefka here with this part five. So yes, the final assault against the mad god Kefka. All of the heroes join in on this battle. The reward for defeating a tower of monsters is the angelic jester hell-bent on destroying the world. Let's take a listen to a little bit of Dancing Mad, Part 5. You guys are listening to Dancing Mad Part 5. And if you haven't heard all of Dancing Mad, you should absolutely do that. I know there are a lot of groups out there that uh, try to perform this whole thing. 
including Uematsu's band. There's a lot of them that uh, that I've seen do this. It's really cool. And yeah, the first uh, four parts in some ways are kind of all building up to this climax here for part five. So I think it makes sense to, to, to play this one. And again, just like the whole score, we're not able to include everything today. And so if you, for some weird reason, haven't heard all of the score, you should definitely listen to all of it. Um, but yeah, oh my god, there's a lot to talk about with Dancing Mad. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, it, yeah. it really goes on a journey and tells a story. And, and it's so striking, and I can almost visualize what's happening, even though I've actually never seen this final battle versus Kefka, but I basically feel like I have. I mean, listening to this music, you can kind of just see it jumping out at you, can't you? Right, and I think the interesting thing, we've talked about the combat style of turn-based JRPGs, um, and that the combat was never the strong suit of the game. These games yeah. were strong because of the characters and the world yes. and how you cared about the story. Um, and what I think is great is the music is probably the most important element in the combat because it's what makes the intensity of the experience palpable and come to life in the way that the gameplay really can't. Um, and I think Uematsu is able to find the right balance for it because sometimes if it's overly driving, if it's overly rocking, there's like this cognitive dissonance where the action doesn't coincide with what the char- what the player is doing. Um, and what I love about Uematsu's battle music is he, I feel like, constantly finds ways to make it unique and different and not just constantly amped up to, you know, distorted guitars turned up to 11. I totally like, agree. all and I, this interesting hand percussion at the beginning. and You hear the progressive rock kind of Hammond organ sound. Well, what's so great about the organ is he's able to make it make sense in a prog rock context or in like an old Baroque context like is it church organ is it rock organ <laughs> um, I mean with those organ cadenzas uh, it, it's a truly amazing piece of music that really does uh, tell a story and and there's a lot of music like this for games a lot of progressive final battle music that I'll be honest I don't really happen to enjoy and I love dancing Matt and I think that's really impressive again he's able to make it at least with this part five oddly accessible I mean it's like I listen to this as a piece of music, and I just like it. Yeah, I think that's true. I also do think the fact that it's so much longer than most of the other tracks in the game is, uh-huh. uh, I think, probably because I imagine the final bottle battle would take longer physically to play. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also a bit of a reward for getting to that point in the game. Having a more developed piece of music that doesn't repeat does have a more cinematic feeling to it and makes it feel like you're experiencing this kind of movie-esque event in real time god all right guys well we've reached the end we're gonna play you out with a piece called slam shuffle and this is a theme of zozo which is a city full of criminals and so keep that in mind as we send you on your way with slam shuffle what an amazing score thanks so much for joining us um yeah, I feel like most of our favorites made it. There's a few that didn't, um, but I had a really good time. Will, did you have a good time today? I had a great time. Yeah, this was fun. I mean, anytime we can play one of our favorite soundtracks and talk about it. Uh, next week, Super Mario Brothers 3. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will say that it kind of spoiled me. I don't know about you. I mean, like the quality of the score and just going track after track of amazing emotion, beautiful melodies, really interesting arrangements. 
Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's really tough to beat Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's VI. only second to that Princess Connect. I think <laughs> everything that's going to be going down is like the greatest soundtrack of all time. <laughs> yeah, so this was long overdue. Uh, so glad to finally have the spotlight, and hopefully this satisfied all of those uh, Final Fantasy VI fans out there. And um, I'm sure it didn't. So <laughs> we we look forward to your, your angry emails. Thanks so much uh, for everyone for their support and for listening. Um, at the time of recording this this week that we're in, recording this actually on Friday, and so this past week was pretty insane. We had this really sweet article uh, written about our podcast, uh, which led to a lot of new traffic and new subscribers. We were actually we peaked at number six in the U.S. on the podcast music related podcast. So that was absolutely crazy. So if you're a new listener, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Joy. We hope you stick around. We hope you dig through. We have tons of topics that I'm sure will interest you. Um, and so thank you so much to everybody. I have something to plug before we take off here. Uh, cool. Last week, um, my girlfriend and I, uh, we have this project called Ember Willow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the music that we make together. We just released a new single called Unexpected Love. It's super, um, which super can... tasty, super fun, oh, guys. Oh, thanks. You can get it on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, uh, and you can find all of our music at emberwillow.com. Absolutely. And you can find all of our Super Mercado Bros music at supermercadobros.bandcamp.com. At the time of recording, today is another one of those exciting days when Bandcamp is waiving their fees. Um, They're going to do it again in June and again in July. And so we'll keep you guys posted on those dates. All right, that's it. We're going to play you out with Slam Shuffle. This was so fun. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.